and be glad in it. Uh, thank you again. Join us on this morning uh, as we continue to walk through uh, Philippians and today's uh, theme is subject matter. We look to focus on are you desperate uh, for unity? And so as we open up, let's have a time and a moment of prayer as we continue to lift up and pray for our community. Pray uh, for unity. Pray for healing. Uh, pray for reconciliation. Uh, praying that voices are continuing to be he- heard and projected. And may we move forward uh, to see the healing uh, that we desperately need and see equity and see equality uh, truly take place on what unity should look like uh, as we unpack uh, this text. And so praise the Lord. Uh, let us turn to him and talk to him. Mighty God, we ask for your guidance and your direction as we continue to open up our hearts to you, uh, to be broken before you, to be desperate for your presence in our lives. Speak now, God, your servants are listening. May we be encouraged and magnified uh, by your word, your presence, your spirit, and your love that you've shown to us through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So, Father, draw us closer to you. Bless us that we might see Jesus and have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you, Lord, we pray. Amen. And so as we continue on, as we've been walking through uh, this book of Philippians, we've concluded chapter one, uh, where we see his salutation, we see his greeting, uh, we see him addressing himself, introducing himself, and also introducing Timothy, who's to come uh, to them in Philippi. We learn about his relationship with them. We know this is a prison letter. Uh, for he mentions of his imprisonment, uh, we believe this to be his Roman imprisonment uh, that is concluded in, in the Acts uh, of him on the ship on his way uh, to Rome. In Acts, the 16th chapter, we, we document his visit, his first visit and initiation of friendship and fellowship and preaching and proclaiming the gospel uh, to the church in Philippi and in parts of, uh, of Europe. And then also uh, we see the friendship he has with them, which he speaks of about the joy and the love he has for them. And he appreciates their friendship. And now as he's continued to confident in verse six, that he who's begun a good work uh, will complete it until the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He moves forward and say, I thank God every time I pray for you and he prays for them. And He's praying that they will be bold and proclaim this gospel. And and he goes into that latter part where we concluded on last Sunday that only live as citizens or above all conduct yourself as uh, as those worthy of the gospel. And so he's pointing out that the quality of us living out this gospel message, what it means to be a citizen and entitled to rights and and privileges and being protected under those same rights and privileges. And now he's moving towards this same work of what it looks like to conduct ourselves as quality of citizens now to move to have this mind of Christ. And so he's, de- he's developed his argument and you can see the logic in here, some deductive reasoning, if you will. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the transitive law that you can see that Paul is applying, saying basically if this is what's happening, that if you have this relationship with Christ, you have this love and you are a citizen um, of heaven and you have Christ in your heart. You confessed him as your personal Lord and Savior. There's some transformations to be happening. God is still working in you. He who's begun a good work will complete until the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so now come the second chapter, Paul's further building upon this prayer, this presentation, um, this 
uh, exhortation he's given to them in this portion of this letter. This is going to be unpacking uh, this in the second chapter to the third chapter uh, as we get to the conclusion in the fourth chapter. So I'm going to spend some time here in just verses one through four of this second chapter that he's setting up the uh, the the. The message, the theme that he's going to be unpacking throughout the rest of this letter. And so basically Paul is using the, the transitive law, if you will. Uh, Paul's exhortation to the church is in a logical format. The logical format of the transitive law basically says that uh, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Uh, this can be applied not only to mathematics, but transitive relations, as when Paul was referring to the relations, the portion of this letter, uh, uh, Philippians uh, second chapter, verses one through four, is that it holds what the relationship that holds between A and C is the same that, between A and B and B and C. And so this, this the substitution of the others will always work out into that process. And so the object that can be substituted as being discussed is our relationship um, with Christ. The, the relationship that we have with Christ makes us the church, makes us united, makes us one. And so he wants to exhort them to realize that you have a fellowship you have a relationship. You have a calling of citizenship and and collectivity of working together that should be demonstrated within the church. And so the object that he's is pointing out is this relationship that we have with Christ, this this bind we have with Christ. John uh, 15, Jesus says, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. And apart from you can do nothing. So when we understand that he is the vine and we are the branches, this is about an abiding relationship, about communicating with God and having uh, a connection with him that we only have through our submission to the will of God as we accept Jesus Christ as our, our Lord and Savior. So let's let's look at this, unpack this logical statement that Paul puts. And I'm going to use the New American Standard Bible uh, because how they are more uh, closely translate the, the logic that you can that's expressed in the original Greek text uh, that Paul's using an if then clause. He's basically saying in the Greek that if this then this. And basically that, that logic, right, if this is true, then this is true. And so it's not an if as in a hypothetical as something that cannot happen, but it's basically a, an equation saying that if one plus one equals two, right, then they're equal, right? And so he's pointing out that if this is true, then this is true, no matter how you substitute and put it together. So New American Standard Version says, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for the your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. And so here, do you see the, the clauses there, right? If there's this, if there's this, if there's this, then I should see this. And so he's pointing out uh, that 
if there's unity, if you're you are having this relationship in the bondage of Christ, uh, then there should be unity uh, grounded in this relationship. And one thing about that make relationship last is is the commonality, right? Unity that we stick together because we have something common uh, together. And so Paul is pointing out that there should be encouragement belonging to Christ. Uh, There should be comfort uh, from his love in Christ. There's a fellowship. There's a unity uh, in this confidence of Christ. And and then he says, are you showing are your hearts tender and compassionate? You're showing compassion. You're showing empathy. You're showing sympathy. Belonging to Christ is is what we have. And, and it's a possession that we have because Christ is freely given to us to own this awesome relationship to belong in him and to be with him. And part of us belonging to him means that we submit our Alive to him. We surrender uh, to him. We are no longer living for ourselves, but living for him. Christ made it clear. Right. If you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow after me. He made it clear that you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. Yes, even your own life. And so he's pointing out that the call of following after him is a sacrifice, a self-sacrifice that we have to make of humility, of surrendering and servanthood. But Jesus gave us the example of what that looks like. So he's not asking us to do anything that he did not do himself. I know sometimes it's hard in our lives to allow someone else to go before you or you want something. But yet the Bible reminds us, do unto others as you will have them to do unto you. And, and don't try to justify and or just lie about why you are did something because it was for your benefit. And you would some of us would understand when you would not understand if Someone did that to you. And so we need to truly understand how can I be empathetic and understand what someone's going through? Well, maybe I just need to be quiet and listen to what this person's saying and acknowledge and try to understand where they're coming from. Even if I disagree from that person's perspective, it does not make me uh, make them wrong. It just makes you don't understand where they're coming from. And so part of that of understanding is listening to help to understand because ignorance can only go on for so long. And so here it is that as the body of Christ is pointing out, we got to be compassionate. We have to be tender. We have to be open to be loving and caring to one another. Belonging to Christ is, is willingly to submit and be under him. Jesus says, for my yoke is, 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 is easy. My burden is like come all who are weary and find rest. For your soul, the gospel, the good news tells us of the love of our God who sent his only begotten son who was born in human flesh to die on the cross for our sins. This act of redemption was to repair our relationship with God, the father and atone for our sins. So notice a lot of the things that's happening. here. Jesus did all these things for us. Think about it for a moment. He could have said. That is your fault. You deal with it. But yet he showed what love looks like that. I will humble myself and I will fix what you have broken. 
I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to murmur about it. I'm not going to remind you of this is I'm fixing this because you did this and, and be passive aggressive about it. And sometimes that hallelujah, Holy Spirit, help me out. Sometimes I do those things that we can look from God and say that. How can I just be quiet and serve with humility and love with humility? And so here's the he's pointing out this act of redemption, the blessing we have in this great relationship of God through forgiveness and that shows us the love we have with God through Jesus. And so this love we have is because of Christ doing this for us. And so think about what this love does for us. This love for Christ that Paul is pointing out is in this relationship we have with Christ, what the church benefits from uh, in Christ is that it encourages us. And so think about how what it means to be encouraged. It means to be made bold, uh, to feel better. And and think about how you might be have a child uh, that's participating in a sporting event and how that child performs better when parents are in the stands. If there's something about that love feeling there emboldens them and says, you know what, I can do better now because or we oftentimes see the opposite. Right. Uh, 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 an athlete lost someone they love near dearly before or near the next game. And they have one of their best performances because it's emboldened because of the love that they have for that loved one. Do you understand how love has that amazing power to help us do things that we maybe feel unable to do by ourselves? But because of the love of Jesus, hallelujah, it emboldens us to do some things in our lives we normally would not have done, but because of the love of Jesus, it encouraged us, it emboldened us that we step up, we speak up, and we do the things that will bring forth transformation as he's changing us, it's changing our actions and our interactions with others. Oh, I, I heard the church saying, amen, that thank you, Jesus, for the love you give us that makes us stronger not only does it make us stronger, but there's a consolation, there's a comfort um, in this love. And so as I was studying this word about consolation, every time I heard the consolation, um, some of you uh, may might have been like me when it came to games and plays and prizes that you didn't win the prize, but you always got the consolation prize. It seemed like you always walked, at least you walked away with something, right? And so here's the situation about consolation that is not just something just to give you something, but it's like a, it's a comfort. It's a sense of feeling safe. And that's the consolation that Christ gives us, that we feel safe in his presence. Uh, we are consoled in his presence. We are comforted in his presence. So things may not be working out the way we want to in our lives, but we are reminded that I can be consoled. I can be comforted by the God of comfort. I can be uh, held by the one who will always hold me when times I cannot walk on my own. I'll have the one that will lead me through the shadows of death because he will comfort me <laughs> with his rod and his staff. Amen, church, that we understand that there's a God that will help us in our darkest moments because of his love for us. It will comfort us and help us out. Another way to think about this comfort is that same way that little baby that little boy, that little girl is hurt. All they want is a hug from mama to let them know that everything is going to be all right. Comfort, that consolation that comes from love that just makes a boo-boo 
feel better, right? Then nothing changed about the boo-boo, but the love came to help that baby just feel a little bit better about the situation. I want to encourage somebody to understand. I'm glad that we have a God that knows what we're going through. And when we're in trials, we're in troubles, we're in some tribulations, we can turn to him and we can feel his love to help us know that it, troubles don't last always and you can make it through this situation. And I'm excited today to think about how we can be part of this change. We can be instrumental in this change that because we have this, we have access to this and we can exercise this because what God is giving us. And then you not only talk about are we encouraging and, and we have comfort, but also there's a, a blessing of fellowship of the spirit Right. Uh, the spirit of God, that we have a fellowship with God that is given us through the Holy Spirit, that we might know him. And and Jesus taught us about before he sent the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit would teach us all things. And it will tell us and convict us and comfort us. And so the power of the spirit is our benefit. And so we have this Holy Spirit. We talked um, on last Sunday. We celebrated Pentecost and and the Holy Spirit is there to enlighten us, to strengthen us. And so one thing, too, that in order for us to work towards this unity, we have to exercise and feed our spirit. We have to spend quality time in prayer, quality time in his word. We can. And here's a here's a situation. I encourage you to to read his word, spend some time and pray through his word and just trust in God and say, Lord, I'm desperate for your presence. I'm desperate for healing. I'm desperate for unity here in this place. And God can work it out for you. And so here's the situation that he provides a blessing in this unity in the spirit. And the spirit leads us uh, to help and be compassionate to others because of the fruit of the spirit. Uh, the fruit of the spirit, right, is, is, is love, gentleness, peace, long suffering, patience, joy, forgiveness, self-control against such things. There is no law. These are the blessings of the fruit of the spirit. And so he points out this, that this love we have, this relationship that we have will help us to bring unity uh, to the church. And Jesus made it clear in John 13, 35. He says this, that your love for one another will prove the world that you are my disciples. They, the world will know that we are Christ's disciples by how we love one another. And so when we have this love, right, we have encouragement, we have hope, we have comfort, um, we feel the unity of the spirit. It gives us joy. It gives us joy. Then make me truly happy, says in the second verse of the second chapter, or make my joy complete by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, living, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. The picture of unity is like putting a puzzle together. Uh, you start out with the idea of the picture, uh, but at the beginning, it's all in pieces scattered that need to come together. But each piece is different and is unique, but is important, is needed to complete the picture. Each piece uh, has its own place. Each piece has its own position and it has to be in the right spot uh, so that the picture is complete. But yet. Think about how sometimes we feel one piece is not significant, but let that be the piece missing and you have an incomplete picture. Now you will search all over uh, to find that piece and understanding. I need that piece to complete this. Um, and that's the thing about joy, that when we are coming together and we're working together, it brings us together, it unifies us and help us to come together. We find out that 
uh, wow, how in this world, right, people are, are being awakening to the to, to what black lives matter. It was a missing piece. And now they realize that, oh, this piece is needed. It, it needs to be a part of the discussion. It needs to be identified and placed in the proper space so we can get the whole uh, picture. We have the frame, but we're missing the picture. Now we're trying to put this picture together and realizing that everybody is a part of this. Everybody needs to be a part. And every puzzle piece, right, is cut in different shapes. It has different molds, different colors, but yet it comes together. It works together. What holds it together is love. God's love draws us together, puts us together. He is the movement of attracting us. And so let us not fight and let us not resist, but let us submit and say, Lord, move me into the position you want me to be so I could be a, a vessel for change and unity and transformation. Lord, use me. Find, find me out and fill me up and, and, and allow me to be a vessel for your purpose. So this joy, Paul says, my joy will be complete when all this comes together, when we make this picture. And, and this picture is in agreement, right? It's of the same mind, right? Uh, it, it's the right puzzle. It's the right pieces in the right place, making the right picture. Loving one another is part of this unity picture. Love is the fact that we need everything to work out. Love is that fact. Uh, Jesus is love. And so basically we need Jesus. And when we allow Jesus to lead us, it's going to bring us closer together to having the same mind, to having this joy united in spirit, united in purpose, in one mind. We need to be the teachers of unity as we have been taught by Christ. And as Christ is teaching us, as we're still going through school, we got to go through our homework and exercise what we have learned. Oh, Jesus, you taught me how to forgive. Let me practice forgiveness today. Oh, Jesus, you told me I need to turn the other cheek. Let me practice turning the other cheek today. Jesus, you taught me how to be humble and serve. Help me right now and go find someone I can humbly serve today. Jesus, you told me that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Show me where I can be last and I can make somebody else first. We need to understand that if I'm his disciple, I'm his student, then he is my master. He is my teacher. I have homework. I got assignments. I got to work out, walk out each and every day to make him proud of me and bring glory to him and be the change I want to see. In this world, I can I can I can pray to God to change the world, but also I need to pray, Lord, change me so I can have a because of the world changes. You don't change and the world did not change. So you need to first start with yourself and say, how can I be a vessel of a change and for unity and teach unity and show them what it looks like that it involves selfishness and I'm sorry, selflessness, because selfishness will hurt unity. And so this is what Paul is preaching about humility is needed in unity. And so that's why he he gave right the, the if then. Right. So if this is here, then this. But now he also does a positives and, and a negative. He gave us the positive qualities of unity or love and encouragement and fellowship, comfort. Right. And and then he says this in verse three. Right. Some more about giving us clear wisdom and deduction about how to. He says, do don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. Paul now gives these negative actions that he, then he will later follow up with positive actions. These negative actions are selfishness, empty, conceit or vanity. 
Then the positive he follows up with those is humility of mind, uh, regard one another more important than yourself. And so his basis says be sincere um, in these actions. He reiterates this call of humility uh, in verse four when he says, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others, too. Take interest in others means you listen to them and generally want their feedback. You're not waiting for them to stop talking so you can talk. Uh, you are concerned about, hey, what's really going on and how can I assist you? How can I help you? That is selflessness. Uh, and, and we are looking to regard them more important. It means I will give you my time and my space and try to listen because I want to have healing and, and I want us to be on common ground. I want us to work towards this unity. And so this is the, the unity we're called to be that change action for. And here's it, is, that the world would be better with humility. And that's why this relationship we have with Christ, this love we have with Christ, he shows that love involves humility. I, I, I hope you can tell that to your neighbor you might, or who you might be with and text that to somebody, share that with him. It says love involves humility. Here's the situation. Jesus being humble, still with all power at his availability, showed us that power is not best demonstrated by force and authority. Jesus shows us the best way to show your power. Your true power is through love. And love is shown in humility, gentleness and kindness. The recipients of such love. Feel encouraged, consolation, comfort, and joy. If you are desperate for unity, then look at love of Jesus to be the example of what to do and the price for unity. It's going to cost humility. It's going to cost suffering, but yet it's worth the price. To get what we're desperate for. And so Jesus shows us that he wanted to unite us. He wanted unity. So he gave up his life so that we might have life. He suffered in our place so that we might not understand that same suffering and so that we might know life and not death and separation from God. But we will know a relationship of eternity fellowship, of eternal fellowship uh, with God. Jesus went this far to show us how much he loves us and how far will you go to show how much you love him. This is a call for the church to move to action right now in this moment in time for us to show what love looks like. And serve one another, seeking others good above our own. This is shown by willing to share what you have with them, to make them a priority. This is taking that the privileges that you are enjoying, able to share that same privilege with somebody else. This is you showing that I am desperate for unity. And so I'm willing to give up what I've been enjoying so that somebody else might. Be able to join. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit more when we get into this Philippians second chapter, verses five to twelve, about what Jesus gave up so that we might have unity and fellowship. And so Christ gave us the great example about what unity costs, that he gave up 
his place in heaven to be clothed in human flesh, to die on the cross for our sins. He shows us that I'm desperate to have a a united relationship with you. And I'm willing to uh, die so that we can have this relationship. And what Christ asks us to return for us to be dead to our own selfish desires and be alive to his spirit. So I'm calling you right now to be desperate for unity. Be desperate for his presence. Humble yourself. Break yourself before him. Find those. Ask God to find those and discover, expose those issues in your lives that is hindering you from moving forward. Uh, those blind spots that you did not know of, of hate and, and insecurities and uh, unforgiveness and, and grudges and anger. All those things. Let us remove that and say, Lord, how can I show more love, more consolation, more comfort? How can I be more like you? And this is my encouragement to you. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we're desperate for your presence. We're desperate for healing. We're desperate for unity. And Lord, may you move in our lives and guide us into your presence as we stand in awe of your great love for us. May we be able to bow in humility and submission in your presence and be your vessels, uh, be your servants. That we can see change that's happening not only in us, but through us. And may we see healing in our community. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining. God bless you, Zion. You can continue to uh, give online. Uh, you can check in on ZionBCPeoria.com or also continue to mail in uh, your offerings. Uh, Look forward to communicating with you all as we start working on process of how, what it might look like for reopening. Uh, so I'm in prayer and guidance and direction. And when I get clear direction from our Lord, uh, we will reiterate that message to all for us to join again. And I'll just conclude today. I'm taking this pastoral privileges to give a special shout out on today uh, to Lamaya. Happy birthday, baby. Daddy loves you. Thank you all. God bless you. Jesus loves you. And so do I.